This is Dawn Schuler, certified trainer and business consultant at the Schuler Group with the When People Thrive, Companies Thrive podcast. I'm joined again today by Mark Schuler, my life partner and fellow consultant and trainer. So welcome back, Mark. It's good to be back. The reason why I wanted us to record this episode is because something came up with one of our clients a few weeks ago, and it was this very fascinating concept, which then carried over into some of our conversations over our evening dinner and the like. Whenever that happens, I know we should probably share this with the world. So let me give a little bit of background. We've been working with the leadership team with one of our clients, and this issue came up of employees needing to exhibit different kinds of behavior. And as we are wont to do, we always believe that any kind of culture or behavior in the workplace should be coming from the top down. Because if there's a certain culture or a certain behavior that is wanted and the executives and the leadership team aren't doing that, then the employees certainly aren't. So the idea of active modeling versus passive modeling came up. And of course, Mark, because of your background, I knew you would be able to speak much more eloquently and have more background and experience to share So let's first define modeling for our audience. I think what we can do with that is go to the the classic example of modeling. And when I was a marriage and family therapist, and especially family systems therapy, we talked a lot about parenting. And we use the word modeling a lot because that's what happens. Children, as they develop, are very interested in what's going on around them, and they want to, and they take it all in. So whatever the other humans are doing around them, they're going to want to mimic it, copy it, think that that's the way to be. And so when we would talk to parents, we would say, you are modeling whether you know you are or not. Just by being there, you are are showing them something that they're taking in. And some of those things might be wanted by the parents Mm -hmm. to model or to see in their children. And some of those things may not be wanted. So I've got a great example. And it was one of the things we used to say a lot. What is the first word a child learns? I'm not asking you that question. I'm going to tell you the answer. The the first word a child learns is no. (laughs) Why? Because they hear it a lot, often. And so no has been modeled. So suddenly you have these defiant children saying no a lot in different cases. And the parents are going, why is this kid being so uh, rebellious? And uh, uh, it's because the parents say it a lot. So that's the the classic example of modeling. I I wanted to share um, a few other examples, some that I've heard from other parents and as now in our society, maybe not be as prevalent. But Mark, you and I both grew up with parents who smoked cigarettes, as did a lot of our contemporaries. And so I know there were, you know, children who, you know, were mimicking that action Mm -hmm. of, you know, bringing a cigarette to their mouth and, and out. 
I heard another uh, example of uh, someone saying that there's this video of this little girl going around to all those outdoor electrical outlets because they're they're rectangular, they're square, they stick out, and she's putting her hand underneath them like you would a soap dispenser in the bathrooms. Ah, interesting. Because she has seen that behavior that you go these places, you walk into a grocery store and they have the automatic sanitizer. You put your hand underneath there. Something comes out and you rub your hands together. So evidently this little, little girl is going around to anything that looks like a box like that, putting her hands, waiting for a Uh, couple seconds, and then rubs her hands together. Well, Something's not going to happen, but she just sees that she may not realize there's something coming out of the the actual real boxes in the world, right. but she's mimicking the behavior right. she's watching the adults around her do. You stick your hand under this thing, you wait a second or two, and then you rub your hands together. That's a very good yeah. example of modeling. Now, in this day and age, that may be a great behavior for children to bring into their daily lives other behaviors perhaps not so much well and also there has that one of course has to be focused what what you're describing is she did not discern that this object wasn't what she thought what wasn't what they were using there's no discernment there until she gets a little older right right so so now we have explained modeling and where it comes into play, at least with tiny little humans. Now let's bring it to not so tiny little humans. (laughs) Let's call them adults. And let's talk a little bit about modeling, especially in the workplace. Right. Now what's an interesting point that came up also was that I, I referred to family systems earlier the workplace is like a family system. Absolutely. It's very similar. So so that's just a similar point that we, I mean, uh, similar. That's an interesting point that we came up with during this conversation. The, the sort of the crux of the issue, though, was about employers, management, whatever, modeling behavior on the assumption that the employees are going to pick up that behavior. Now... Like we said, we do that with children because they're hungry for for new and different. Uh, employees might not be hungry for new and different, and employees also have probably had have a set of values. They have their own value system that they're coming at the world with. So that's where we came up with the idea of passive and active modeling. Now, both of these can be conscious. You can have conscious passive modeling, and of course, you you almost always only have conscious active modeling. But the, but the issue is they're not just going to start doing this because do unto others as you would like done unto you. And that's, we have other things to say about that whole concept anyway. Um, the golden rule, we think it needs to be replaced with the platinum rule, which is do unto others as they would like to have done unto them. Absolutely. Um, we've really taught that in most of our trainings is that that's a fallacy. Do unto others as you would like done unto you because not everybody's the same. And even though I really believe that now, I did have evidence before we were trained in certain systems that 
blew that out of the water. I had evidence in my previous life that, yeah, that doesn't work. And the example I I have is I remember that there was some sort of concept of if you want to be treated a certain way, then treat others that way. It's That goes back, treat others the way you would want to be treated. And I remember what I really wanted was for my first husband at the time to bring me flowers. Like, I'm just like, I want flowers. I want something to show me that he cares and that I'm special. And I thought, well, if that's what I want done unto me, then I should do that unto him. So I sent him flowers at work. Did I ever get flowers? No, I never got flowers because I was hoping that he'd pick up on that behavior, on that modeling, and be consciously aware of what I was doing. But I never shared with him I had done that, hoping to model that behavior. Also, maybe not nice, like, here, let me do this for you so you do it for me. But whatever. That's that's another podcast episode, I'm well, sure. Well, if you had said that, that would definitely be – that would be active modeling. It would be. The point that I also want to make sure we add here is I was resentful that I'd done mm-hmm. the whole – I treated somebody the way that I wanted to be treated. They didn't get the message, and I was resentful. I didn't share that that's what I was doing. And so as a manager, a leader, a an executive, head of a department or a team, if you feel you're modeling certain behavior, for example, maybe you model that I'm not going to check email after 5 p.m. I'm not going to respond to emails. And so you expect that you're going to help your team develop this culture of we don't have to always be checking email and you're modeling it by not responding to emails after 5 p.m. But yet the rest of them aren't doing that. And you can feel resentful that they didn't pick up on your supreme modeling of an amazing, (laughs) great behavior. So let's, I mean, those are all great. Those are good examples of what we're talking about. The, what came up in the conversation that we're talking about with our doing our training with the company is that they somebody was engaging in active listening and so brief description of active listening if you don't know what that is active listening is essentially when you are you're talking with somebody having an interaction um it's it's definitely about blocking out your need to say something or your tangential thoughts or whatever you have to minimize those because the important thing is you want to really get what they're what they're communicating what they're saying the the way that you do it actively is by repeating back to them some of the things that they have said by doing that you're actually letting them know that you heard what they said because it wouldn't be wouldn't be able to repeat it back if you hadn't heard. That's that's the gist of active listening. So I don't want to get, we can get a little confused here by using this example, so I'm going to try to navigate these waters as best I can. So the conversation was essentially about, I engaged in active listening, the, the manager said. And I did it for, you know, every time we talked, I tried to be to do active listening with my employee. And after a week or so, they still weren't getting it. They still were not treating me that way. They weren't telling me back what I was talking to them about. And there was obvious 
evidence that they had not heard. And so it wasn't just the judgment of, I don't think they're listening. It, it was obvious to the manager that, that it the showed up in the, in the, in the behavior or the activity in the, in the workplace. Yes. And so that's when we started talking about, well, so maybe we need to break modeling into passive and active. What you were engaging in is passive modeling. You were modeling uh, active listening. That's where this gets confusing because we're using active and passive. So I, so I want to be sure that I that I say this right. Active listening was it, the behavior. It, it was the behavior, but active listening was the behavior, and in itself, it's still passive modeling. An active modeling would be to ask after a session, communication session, by the way, did you notice what I was doing there? Did you notice that I was repeating back to you what we talked about? That's called active listening. So that would be, this, this is all the quote now from the person. If you wanted to actively model that behavior, then you needed to tell them. You needed to do what I call a process comment, which is, look what happened with us here. That would be active modeling. And in that case, I would want to take it a step further. Did you notice what I did there? I mm. was mirroring back to you what I heard mm. you say to try to make sure I was truly understanding. And hopefully the other person would say, oh, now that you say that, I do recognize that that's what you were doing. Right. And then the manager might say something like, and how did that make you feel? Did you feel heard? Did you feel that I really got what you were trying to communicate to me? Hopefully the employee would say, yes, I really did feel heard. And then the manager could ask the next question. Do you think engaging in that type of behavior would be helpful for you to be better understand others who are communicating to you? And that would hopefully prime that pump for the employee to look at behaviors very consciously and intentionally. Yes, and hopefully understand the, the importance of certain behaviors, especially in the workplace. That being able to actively listen to somebody, let them know that you got what they said, is probably going to forward the action a lot better than if you just go, okay, thank you, and leave. And then the action might or might not be forwarded because how much of it did you actually retain? And it always comes back to that concept of EQ, emotional intelligence, where the first step, if you will, is self-awareness. Second is self-management. Third is social awareness, being aware of others. And then social management, being able to adjust maybe how you communicate, how you show up with others to get greater impact as one quick way to say it. If you are conscious of your behaviors, that's part of that self-awareness, being able to then communicate those behaviors, the desired behaviors, is part of that interaction socially, which all leads to greater emotional intelligence. Well, and the other thing that is common, I think, in all of us is it's much easier to notice somebody else's behavior than it is to notice our own. And so self-awareness, assuming self-awareness uh, in somebody when you're passively modeling something 
is probably not going to get you too far. And going back to how we started this conversation with explaining and defining modeling, using that family systems dynamic, and especially very young children, and that shock that some parents and families can have when the children grow up to possibly be just like the mother or just like the father, even if it's not necessarily desirable behavior, because they pick up on the behavior that's being modeled, whether it's consciously being modeled or unconsciously being modeled. Here in the workplace, I believe that we as a consulting and training company have the opportunity to bring more of that awareness to people about you're going on in your day, behaving all sorts of ways, doing all sorts of things. How much of it, if you look at it, is desirable and that you want to be doing those things. Well, and of course, my thing is how much of it is forwarding the action. I, I use that term because what I believe about any official communication, we're not talking water cooler if we ever have one to stand around again. Um, that would be dated. This is still COVID that we're dealing with here. Um, but uh, any communication that is on the clock, so to speak, in the company. Okay, I won't say any, but most, absolutely most communications are about doing something that is going to move things forward. We talk with people in the business because we want something to happen. And it's it's really important to have that concept that, yes, we're communicating for some kind of a, a outcome. Because... Any communication that doesn't do that, any part of it that doesn't do that is essentially wasted time as far as what you're doing in the business. This kind of stuff is what makes us tick, obviously, which is why we can talk about work things even after work hours because we love what we do. And it goes back to that forward motion or forwarding the action that you were talking about, Mark. Because it's in line with what we do here at the Schuler Group with people, processes, and performance, this particular topic on active modeling versus passive modeling is definitely part of performance. It's getting the most out of you yourself as an employee and those on your team or on your staff in the organization, because the better we can perform that more consciously, more aware we are of that, it's just going to make us more productive, more efficient, and help that organization be more sustainable, successful, profitable. So for you listeners out there, if this is something that we can help you with, making sure that you've got the right people in the right seats, that they are doing the roles that are very clearly stated and performing at their strengths please reach out to us at www.theshulergroupllc.com. And Mark, thank you again for a very fascinating discussion, at least fascinating to me, and I hope our audience as well. You're welcome. Let's do it again sometime. I'm sure we will. Until next time, may you thrive.